Welcome to the WP Builds Podcast, bringing you the latest news from the WordPress community. Now, welcome your hosts, David Wormsley and Nathan Wrigley. Hello there and welcome once again to the WP Builds Podcast. You've reached episode number 281, entitled Choosing Our Website Building Tools. It was published on Thursday the 2nd of June 2022. My name's Nathan Wrigley and in a few minutes I'll be joined by my good friend David Wormsley so that we can have our chat. It's the first in Series 3 of our WordPress Business Bootcamp series, so looking forward to that. Before that, though, a little bit of housekeeping. The first thing to mention is, as I've been mentioning over the last few weeks, that the Page Builder Summit is back. If you're interested in page builders, if you enjoy using WordPress page builders, then we've got a whole load of content for you. It happens later on in June. It's from the 20th to the 24th of June, and we'd love to get you on our mailing list. You can do that by going to pagebuildersummit.com and signing up there, and we will keep you updated as and when we get some new information. You'll be able to see a list of the speakers and the names of the topics there as well. So once more, that's pagebuildersummit.com. Come and join the fun later in June. Another thing to mention very briefly is that I'm going to be at WordCamp Europe this week. If you are around and you've happened to listen to this podcast, please search me out. Probably the best way to do that would be to reach me on Twitter. DMs are open and it's at WP Builds, it would be lovely to spend some time with some of you guys. The WP Builds podcast is brought to you today by GoDaddy Pro. GoDaddy Pro, the home of managed WordPress hosting that includes free domain, SSL and 24-7 support. Bundle that with The Hub by GoDaddy Pro to unlock more free benefits to manage multiple sites in one place, invoice clients and get 30% off new purchases. You can find out more by going to go.me forward slash WP builds. That's go.me forward slash WP builds. And we really do thank GoDaddy Pro for their support and helping us keep the WP builds podcast going. Okay, today we're going to be turning our attention to the kind of tools that we might use to build a WordPress website. In fact, we've decided to split the idea of tools up into two episodes. Next week, we're going to be talking about just generic tools that have got nothing to do with WordPress. So that would be the computer and the keyboard and the monitor and all of those kind of things. But this week, we're focusing fully in on what it is that we need to get our website business going. Now, there's a little bit more to this than you might imagine. Obviously, you need WordPress, but do we need to be thinking about the tools in relation to what our clients might be using because more and more it feels that clients want to be involved in the build. They want to be able to make edits themselves. That's of course why we've got a CMS. So does the tool conversation need to happen with the client? Like I said, there's a whole lot more in here and I enjoy chatting with David about this. I hope that you enjoy it. Welcome to another in the Business Bootcamp series where we relearn everything we know about building WordPress sites and running a web design business from start to finish. We're on the first episode of season three where we're looking at the technical build and today we're discussing 
choosing our website building tools. So Nathan and I are taking contrasting approaches to getting our new businesses running and our first client site built. She's a new lawyer with no previous site. She's called Miss A. Nathan, shall we do a quick recap on what we're trying to do? Yeah, very quickly, because we've, I think I feel we've done these recaps quite yeah. a lot now, haven't we? But I'm going for the traditional waterfall approach. So my, I'm trying to come from the perspective of somebody who's doing things perhaps in the old-fashioned way. David has other thoughts, as you'll find out in a moment. And I'm going to be offering a proposal, getting a contract, getting everything signed off, and then going for it, hopefully using some of the tools we're going to discuss today. Yeah, and I'm going for an agile approach where really, if you like, the start of the built site is really the start of our ongoing improvements on the site. So we're looking at more kind of data-driven approaches, gradually increasing the site. So think of something like Amazon where they're constantly updating. So that's the kind of way I'm going with this business. I loved how you just snuck in there that your approach is just like Amazon. Yeah. 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 Nice. <laughs> that that only quite modestly successful company that uh, you know don't make boatloads of money. That, if, you, if you can be as successful as Amazon, I'm uh, I'm all in on the agile approach. <laughs> exactly. Actually, it's very difficult to explain it all the time. It's kind of just the opposite, isn't it? It's just a thinking where traditional is. Well, we build the end commodity, and there it is. That's yeah, our job, yeah. and that's how most of us have done it. And now it's trying to switch to an agile approach where you just think, well, actually, that's just the start of the process, really, with all the data we can get now. We should use it and keep iteratively improving. So that's the way I'm trying to move towards yeah, that approach. I was thinking about this the other day, and if you think about it, although the things that you buy might be done in, in agile ways, you know, the, the tooling yeah. and the technology behind it, almost everything you buy is not in any way, shape, or form agile. So, you know, you buy a car, and it's just dumb. You yeah. can't you can't ask for there to be some sort of modification. Well, I mean, you can, but it's not like you can very easily say, could we just make the engine slightly different? I'd like a <laughs> bit more power to come out of the yeah. engine, and and you just can't do it. So we're in a very we're in a very interesting industry uh, online because we can modify things, and what was there yesterday doesn't need to be what's there tomorrow. So we're very unique, I think. And it, it's quite interesting talking to developers. I I mean, there are some statistics on. Um, agile, which say, I think presently about 86% of all IT and development projects created for companies are done in an agile way. And if you talk to WordPress developers who are building out the tools, they go, well, isn't that how everybody works? You just keep progressively improving the thing you test it out see how it works and then you make an adjustment isn't that just how everything is done yeah so, yeah <laughs> and it's interesting because the website could be viewed a little bit like the car where it's a finished product and you hand it over to the client and largely that is the yeah. kind of work my clients wanted they wanted something to be handed over to them and that was it and then i move yeah. on to the next thing so you're you're definitely trying to upset the apple cart there and persuade them that there's a different way of doing it so yeah yeah okay yeah, just try. Well, just try and copy Amazon. The successes they have, really. you know, they watch the data and they adjust according to what might get them a result. So, so try I can to imagine your that. sales pitch. I'm going to build you a website. It's going to be just like the Amazon website. And we're going to just constantly tweak it and adapt it. It's funny though because I don't really notice the Amazon website changing because it's so incremental and so small. Occasionally they do some big thing, but on the whole, yeah. Amazon this year looks to me on the face of it as if it as 
as it would have looked 10 years ago, which is, of course, nonsense. It doesn't at all. But it's a thousand little things, not one yeah. giant thing. Yeah. yeah, tiny little micro texts will get changed that will affect you. And uh, BBC are doing this. We're, we're completely off topic now, but the BBC are doing that with their iPlayer at yes. the moment on me. Keeps changing yes so my play buttons in the center and then it's back to the left again so yeah i have noticed that and, and I, the reason i noticed it because it probably didn't but it wasn't as agile as you're describing amazon because <laughs> yeah. there was a fairly big shift wasn't there all of yeah, a sudden yeah. the menus moved over to the left and it happened in an instant and i there was a bit of dissonance there i was thinking hang on a minute am i in netflix or something and yeah, i had yeah. to really concentrate on it and you're right they're just toying with it all the time i guess if you're going to change the menu you might as well go all in though and see how people react maybe maybe we were only a proportion of the people who received that and we yeah. all phoned in furiously to say this new menu's rubbish and so they've probably changed it back because of the feedback there's a terrible again we're still off topic but on that interface it's really interesting because when it ends your program it's got a, two buttons, and one of them says continue, and the other one says see the next episode. And to me, they are the same thing. Yeah, they are the same thing. That Yeah, so so suddenly I'm stuck, how do I get out of here? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we are so off topic today. It's brilliant. Okay, anyway. let's, let's rein it in. Let's get us back to episode six, choosing our website building tools. Yeah, well, actually, you kind of, we got this wrong, really, because you just pointed out when we started this that we really ought to have started this with our whole technical stack. So we're going to do that next episode. But here, we're just going to try and focus on really our main builder, how how would our platform, what we're going to build this site on, you know, whether we decide we actually need a CMS like WordPress or whether Miss A could just manage with a simple HTML, CSS style website yeah i guess we would have figured out from the questioning but are we working on the assumption for the sake of argument are we working on the assumption that miss a basically needs a brochure website with let's yeah. say five or six pages they're not going to change very much any changes that need to be performed will probably be very simple to do in html so it might be the phone number changes or something like that and it would be relatively straightforward to find and replace the phone number in whatever in whatever html file there is yeah, exactly. And whether, I mean, a big consideration is whether the client needs to be able to change and publish themselves, you know, change their upcut, their, their content. So we would have known this already, but I think, you know, we can look at it because I just these days I start to think about whether I am correct in putting everybody on WordPress on my particular page builder without really a conversation. I do it for my ease and what I'm used to. And now I'm starting to think, well, is that right for them? Okay. So I think the ease argument is so compelling, isn't it? Because these days, yeah. especially with modern things like, you know, Cloudways and whatever system you're using, it's very easy to literally type in a domain name, press a button, and within 30 seconds, magic has happened and you've got yourself a WordPress <laughs> install and, yeah. you know, you might even have that as some sort of template where it brings along all the plugins that you consistently use for the ride. And it is very easy for us, isn't it? Is, yeah. that, is that a sufficient reason, though? You know, it's obviously saving you a lot of time. It saves you building things from scratch. And it's also going to be bringing along a, a heck of a lot of things that you may need in the future. So, for example, let's just say user logging in, the ability to have 
state of a user logged in, whether they're logged in or not, or whether they're authenticated to adapt things, modify posts and pages and whatever. All of that is built in to WordPress and it's brilliant, but you're saying, well, if my client doesn't need it, what's the point? Yeah. Well, I'll ask you the question. So we go back to a time when we used to build HTML sites, the first sites that we built. Just entirely, we owned the code. And when you moved to a CMS, which I know wasn't WordPress initially in the first place for you, what, what made you do that? So I was doing everything with, well, I started out doing HTML and in tables, HTML layouts and tables, and that was really time consuming, but it essentially led to a brochure website. Then I started to fiddle with PHP um, template files, so include files so that I could have the header different to the footer and the footer would be loaded with an include statement in the PHP and so on. And that worked very well and I built several websites with that and it, it was totally fine. And then I was sitting with somebody that I'd worked with and he at the time was using Drupal. This is back in the day when I think it was like Drupal 4. So it was pretty early on. I mean, not the beginnings of Drupal, but fairly early on. And and he just said, no, I've, I've given up on all of that. I, I just use a CMS now. And I'd seen them before, but never really used them. And he he totally convinced me in the space of about an hour that this was a sensible thing to do because you know, everything's the same. You can work consistently so long as the CMS manages to keep itself similar from day to day, week to week, year to year, you'll have a foundation. And I, there was no thought in my head of the technical debt. There was no Mm. thought where I said, well, they won't need the user logging. They won't need all of these different things. All I was thinking was, great, that's a tool that I can use. It'll be extendable. I'll be able to add functionality and different things into the future. And and I don't have to do the boring bits from scratch each time because some other system, which, by the way, is free, that was also a thing, um, which has been done for me. So I can just download the latest version and keep it updated, hopefully. So that's how I began. And that was Drupal. Yeah. And, then, and then I've never looked back since then. And I, I don't really think I've built anything without a CMS since then. So let's ask you, same question, but in uh, directed towards you. Why did you? Yeah, it's kind of weird because the the WordPress took off with me because I wanted functionality. I was trying to build this kind of my own version of an intranet for my staff. And then I got into doing e-commerce. So it was the functionality got me in to WordPress. But the the shift to HTML to WordPress is is one which has been a gradual change. So when initially you just thought, yeah, the, the clients came up and you thought, no, it's nice for them to be able to change their content or my colleague when I started doing it professionally was doing it and she wanted to update for the clients so she wanted WordPress and in the early days with a simple theme which had a lifetime deal on it where I was still mostly working with CSS and just putting snippets in it didn't feel like I had a dependency on WordPress it felt like oh there's just a a wonderful system you made this point before why reinvent the wheel it was like WordPress was that it updated about once a year with a small update I never considered it, so it never felt like a big shift to a great dependency. Over recent years, though, I've and I've not really thought about it too much. I just thought the progress to a page builder was an upgrade on the speed I was able to create sites, and it was more convenient for clients updating whether they used it or not was another thing. But uh, there was an improvement. But now, as time's gone on, and we realised there is so much 
competition, so many changes with plugins, they get acquired, um, there are security issues, there's a big change with Gutenberg, you realize that, oh, actually, this isn't me not in reinventing the wheel, this is actually me committing to a dependency on other companies for what I offer. So I've, yeah, I've reined it, I've started to rethink a, a lot about uh, how much I need to depend on them and what I tell clients. Um, so and consider whether it's good for them or not. So if, if we just take that apart a little bit, the, the, mm. the bit that interested you and probably me was that all the different things that you would have had to have built over and over again. I mean, obviously you could have saved those away, but still you would have had mm. to have built them or downloaded mm. files to, for example, create forms or create user logging or what have you. The idea was that you didn't have that dependency anymore. You weren't dependent upon doing that yourself, and it was already mm. done by the, the CMS. But now, fast forward to 2022, the, mm. the ecosystem has grown to the point where a, a, even a, a modest website probably requires a, a collection of plugins and page builders and themes and all of that. Many of them may be commercial. So curiously, we've ended up with dependent dependency, not necessarily on WordPress, which is still free, but on subscriptions to third-party services, which you are now trying to sort of get away from. Yeah, it was a, one thing that I found quite tricky. There was, a, as I worked with a colleague who'd been looking after people from, she'd been in business since 2000. So she had built some client sites. And by the time we were moving, most people to WordPress was at the same time as people get in new sites because of um, mobiles were coming in and they needed to be mobile responsive. So they needed to do anything, something anyway. And it was a big dilemma because they were used to the fact that previously you put up their website and it was just there for all time. It wasn't like a car which depreciated once you built it. It was digital. It You put it up and it would work in browsers forever and now suddenly moving them to wordpress i didn't see it initially but now you realize ah well actually the if they want to be on wordpress they need to get some of the benefits because there's probably likely to be some maintenance that's required that they're going yes. to have to pay for yeah uh, which previously they didn't so if they need to update the content then they get the value there and my recent excuse for why i would use a page builder now or anything like that is because if I'm going this agile approach where we make subtle changes very quickly to adapt to information that we get about how users are using the site, this is a really good way of doing it. Yeah. So there is still dependency. The The argument mm. that I always used to make was that you, and I just alluded to it a minute ago, but that, that it's extendable. You can add functionality. And so yeah. I, I always thought that was almost like a uh, the, the perfect pitch in that okay i can i can build you this but yeah. it's going to be much cheaper if we can just download this plugin which will cost you about 50 dollars a year um and and it will bring so much more functionality and and it does 90 percent of what you what you need and the other 10 percent you probably ju it's just aspirational thinking you probably never did need it anyway so i've i've managed to use that successfully on lots of occasions just explain we yeah. can do so much more, so much more cheaply if you're prepared to come along the journey of finding a plugin which will do it for you. The other point that I used to make all the time, which again yeah. I think hit the target pretty well, was that 
Well, it's the it's the being hit by a bus argument. If I suddenly am hit by a bus and go out of existence, don't worry, because this CMS, whether it's Drupal or WordPress or whatever, there's a whole yeah. there's a whole range of people who can pick it up where I left off. And of course, that's proven to be the case when clients and I just parted ways amicably and they've taken their website. And I can see that somebody else has got the login details and has modified it over time. And it's still using the stuff that I put in there, but somebody was able to take it and carry on and that relationship went in a different direction. And I, I found that one really persuasive. Nobody pushed back on those arguments ever. I'm going to push back. Oh, good. <laughs> For Miss A, I'm going to say, okay, we're building a, a largely static site. Now, if I built those out with HTML and CSS, anybody who knows HTML and CSS can look at that and change it. Whereas if I build it with WordPress page builders and they go to somebody else who has WordPress, they go, I'd rather rebuild this on my platform that I use and use my plugins for this slider or carousel or whatever it is. So you could argue it in the opposite way. Yeah, I get, I get your point. At this point, I'd be saying, are you actually a lawyer? <laughs> what do you how do you know this stuff here i am trying to persuade you here i am trying to pull the wool over your eyes about how how amazing all of this is and how how developers can run with it and how you know you can download plugins. how do you know because i never got that i never got that level of expertise yeah. as an argument in return but i think no. that's quite compelling if somebody did come back to me i'd probably say okay i'll, I'll go now bye-bye <laughs> but uh, they never did and they always seem to think that those arguments and honestly, I wasn't trying to pull the wool over anybody's eyes. It was no, just I what I thought, and it worked. But it was more a case of me trying to close the deal, I think. Oh, here's another point. Here's another reason mm. why we should use WordPress. Here's another reason. Here's another reason. And those ones just <laughs> popped out. The adding functionality, the ability to move over, the fact that you're not dependent upon one particular vendor. I even made that point. You know, if you don't like this Forms plugin, there's another one mm. over here. If that license yes. turns out to be too expensive, we can we can use a free one. It won't do as much, but it'll still work. Yes. Yeah, you know what? I mean, the, I agree with you. I was just trying to put in a counter argument because it's exactly the same thing. And in fact, I remember we had this dilemma when I was working with my colleagues, you know, we was, they didn't want to spend a lot of money ongoing or, or something. And it was like, oh, do we build this with Beaver Builder, which was just new at the time, or do we just give them a HTML site? But almost immediately after we started doing it, they asked for things that you just thought, well, there's a plugin that will make that right, easy. Right. You know, it was that functionality. I'm not so, you know, once it used to be the functionality, the big things like the LMSs, the, um, the e-commerce, uh, the events type stuff used to be the appeal of being on WordPress. You could keep adding on this really great you know, number of features. I've moved away from that, but there still is on the small scale of things, you know, like you say, a different forms plugin that might connect up to a different um, newsletter system that yeah. you've got or whatever that's available. It's those kind of smaller things that keep me with WordPress. Anyway, I've got my justification for WordPress now with my agile approach. I'm saying, look, the tech might die at some point, but you know, it's just a tool for us to get something out there and see how it's working with your target audience. And I've tried to shift the, the focus of what I provide as a web designer, as this ongoing agile, it's there to see it's, it's a tool to uh, watch human behavior and respond to it rather yeah. than the selling the tech itself. Yeah. I, I really never struggled to 
to sell the CMS argument. And I think the most persuasive thing wasn't what I've said about additional functionality or, you know, you can take it to another developer. It was it was always the you can edit this yourself thing that yes. got them interested, you know. And I used to make the analogy of, you know, if somebody sends you a Word document, that's not set in stone. You can open it and edit it and click save and return it to them. And it's different. They make the point that the website's like that. And they're always beguiled by that. Um, yeah. Nowadays, obviously, you know, everybody's using Facebook. Those arguments are far less persuasive because that's the web 2.0 brought about the ability to interact with the web as opposed to just consuming it. And now it's completely normal. And that argument kind of falls on deaf ears. Duh. Yeah. It's a website. <laughs> I should be able to change it. What are you, what? Um, so those kind of things, I think, yeah, were, were very important back in the day, but I, I don't think they'd be as persuasive anymore. No, I, I think, you know, my colleague used to ask her, do you want, I think that's one of the first questions she asked, do you, do you want to be able to edit the content yourself? And there was never the answer, no. No, exactly. But, uh, admittedly, we didn't fairly say, you know, but there is a downside to that. And yes. here it is. <laughs> Have you any idea what the interface will look like? It's so weird. You edit it and it looks nothing like it's going on the front end. Um, but curiously, <clears throat> my experience was always was, although they wanted that ability to edit things, it was very rare that they pulled the trigger yes. on editing things. It was very much the case that the website would be built. I would hand it over. And that would be the end of that. And then I would take phone calls to firefight or modify things. You know, they would literally yes. phone me up and pay me to change the telephone number. And I had shown them how to change the telephone number, but they were busy. They had better things to do. They were out being lawyers and it was easier if I did it. So it, th that great big argument about you can modify it yourself never really panned out. Of course, now that everybody's familiar with modifying things online, yeah, it's different. Yeah, I think so. And I think also things have changed with me. So those early customers where we were delivering the the website and that kind of was the end of the project, even if they're still on my kind of hosting and care, they either just get me to do it or they uh, or it doesn't get done at all. But there are just a few where that relationship has gone on for a long time where they've got used to my page builder and they've started building out their own landing pages and yep. stuff on their own yep. because it's gone on for years now and we've we've done projects together for some time so they've picked up quite a lot well again that's that's the benefit of your system the whole agile approach yeah. they they get coached into how to do yeah. it much more so because they're making it alongside of you for me yeah. it was a black box I just yeah. made it and handed over the black box and opened it in front of them. It was like getting a Christmas present, ah, da -da, website. <laughs> and they were happy with that. And obviously, you know, your model is working differently to that. They'll be able to do it. And yeah, horses yeah. for courses. It's moving that way anyway. We were going to do a section on, I think I've probably said some of these things, but hmm. agile versus traditional when it comes to picking your, your thing. So I kind of... I'll, I'll kind of put my thing is that the, the traditional is focused on the end deliverable, yep, which yep. I think is a bit tricky because you don't control it. Um, that is a bit of a, a danger for businesses, isn't it? We're setting up a new business here. And I think we have to be aware of whatever we pick as tools to get this website done. If they fail on us, it comes back on us when we're selling that. Yeah. Do you think, <laughs> you know? do you think though that WordPress now is so mature that, the, mm. the failure of WordPress just seems like such a such an impossible outcome. It just seems to yeah. me that we, we're at least five years away from that. You know, even if even if the sky fell in, 
yes. WordPress would be being updated and the community would be doing things with it for probably a decade to come. I think WordPress definitely is secure in that sense. I think individual, because it's such a competitive area at the moment, individual products can quickly die. We've seen them. Yep. So and I think that's the, the, the main risk there. I'm going to be making your kind of Gutenberg point, I think, in this one. <laughs> is that, you know, it is safer because I think, you know, it is going to stick around, even if it might not go the way that you want it with its development, it's going to be around for some time. And we don't know if that's always going to be the case with every new page builder that might be released, you know? Yeah, I think that there are so many posts out there written by, obviously, corporate companies, sometimes hosting companies and plug-in companies and what have you, which provide infographics of how WordPress has grown over time. I, I feel that the pushback against WordPress as a CMS, not talking about the ecosystem that's around it, but the pushback against mm. the, the the CMS itself is, is almost non-existent these days. It's so mm. wildly successful. It works, it's updated, it's secure. But I totally mm. get your point about educating clients about, look, if we go with this particular plugin, it's mm. been around for a couple of years. It seems to be being created by one person. Maybe we want to look at that a little bit more carefully. Um, mm. Those kind of arguments, discussions, I think I would want to be having. It's never mm. really bitten me too much. I, I've I've never really had a, a commercial plugin totally die on me as yet. I'm really trying to scrape my brain here, my memory, and think, has that bitten me? And I don't actually think it has. Have you had that? Have you had a... A moment where you've had to go back to a client and say, this is dead. We need an alternative. No. Mm. And unfortunately, because it's, I mean, I think the key thing is your main builder, the, the main dependency. I have had things die or completely change. So what's an example? An anti-spam plugin that right, I used right. um, that was protecting people's forms. Uh, suddenly entirely changed and no longer worked and people were getting spam. Now I could just swap that one out for another one. That's no a good problem. one to fail in a way, isn't it? Because there's so many yeah. options there, yeah. And I think that's the thing where there's a lot of these kind of extra little plugins that just do something. If I'm using my page builder, I have a little mail catcher, which shows me because it's not built in to keep the mail there i add this little plugin if it fails then i'll probably replace it with an alternative these small plugins that do a small job the client's not worried about it so the only risk is the the main thing that you build out their html pages with is and of course that's not happened with me i mean it was genesis and then it's been beaver builder since and they you know both of them still continue to work yeah, just as you were saying that, I was thinking about something that I thought popped into my head, and it was about a, a site that I built probably about six years ago, and it was for a company which needed to put their the content that they were creating, they needed to send it off to clients, and they wanted basically some kind of client portal and uh, an intranet, if you like. And I mm. built a solution for them, just dropping in a plugin, and I was, you know, I said, go out and let's find a plugin together, and we found one. It was like. 150 bucks a year and it basically did everything that they needed so we dropped that in they got used to it they were working with it and i know that they were heavily using it and mm. they're now no longer my clients they went off and worked with a company much more local to them they're over in on the west side of the uk and mm. and so we no longer communicate but funnily enough about three or four weeks ago i got an email from the developer of that plugin saying for didn't really go into the reasons, but the plugin is being mothballed. They're no longer going to support mm. it. 
So although it didn't happen to me because they're no longer my clients, it happens and presumably they are now scrabbling around trying to find another solution, hopefully having received the same email from the developer. Hmm. So it can happen and it could be pretty catastrophic. It sounds like that plugin, albeit brilliant, was being propped up by one person and the strain, it would appear, just got too much. Yeah. And I think probably something we haven't covered as well here is the fact that it, it it's not really about the whole system necessarily dying. I think when we when we rely on these kind of tools that make it easier for us to build websites, then we've got um, we've, we're using more than we possibly need yeah. in our setup, yeah. and there's more that can go wrong. So there's you know those greater chances of security issues or. Things that with Miss A's site, you know, if it was a simple HTML site in effect in terms of the output out there, when we use some very complex builder that's adding new stuff all the time, there's a greater chance of small things breaking. And um, obviously lots of different plugins, more chance of there being incompatibilities that the client wouldn't have suffered before. Yeah, and I think also there's just the temp. Oh, and you probably said all of this in what you just said, but I'm going to re-emphasize mm. it. Just the temptation to put a load of things in that aren't necessarily needed because you can, mm. because it's lying around <laughs> yeah. and you've used it in the past and you know it works, but it may not be the best solution in this particular case. We probably should have had two clients, shouldn't we, for this whole series? One where, where it was a really complicated <laughs> yeah. website and another one, Miss A, where it was dead simple. But uh, this is what we've yeah. got. So yeah, maybe thoughts about not giving into the temptation to just keep adding in plugins, um, because we know that there are consequences to that in terms of speed and security and usability and all of that. There was definitely, uh, I think, and I think we passed by this. So certainly for those who happen to do this professionally for clients, I think there was, and I was definitely caught up in this, where every new tool was something to look into, and 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 you felt that nothing was ever going to break because it really did. But I think now as we get so many different competitors and it becomes difficult for people to keep up with the demand that there is to add new things to plugins, that there's more chance of security and, you know, plugin failures mm. as time's gone on. So yeah. I so think be now careful. we're reining it back a bit. Yeah, yeah it's now careful. trying to keep it simple. Right. Yeah. And towards the end, just right at the end, should we go through the list of things which we would now wantonly put into every WordPress website that we do and you know as a a bare minimum I know my bare minimum is going to be bigger than your bare minimum but um but there you go no 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 (laughs) no I'm not yeah I'm not sure if it is I mean bare minimum for me is simple because I'm same page builder beaver builder and the beaver builder theme I've done a bit of getting rid of stuff um so I've downgraded to slim seo or plugin which is the kind of lightweight way of doing seo because it that's the default because i don't need the stuff that others do for most of the sites so until i do then that will go in so i've changed a little bit there and i've got a caching plugin and probably they are my basics there's a few little things that go in there um on top of things that it's on your list there. Yeah. Uh, I need some way to make sure my email delivery is working. Yeah. Let's, let's do it now then. So my basic would be some kind of theme because I'm not using Mm -hmm. full site editing. Uh, so all of that is out. So I need some basic theme and I usually go for something like generate press or Bloxy or something like that. Caching plugin, uh, an SEO plugin, some kind of SMTP plugin so that the emails uh, travel across the internet via some yep. third-party service. Usually, there's a form plugin 
uh, put in there. And it's usually a proprietary one that I've paid for. But I think in most yeah. cases, something like Contact Form 7 would be adequate. And I know there's a few Gutenberg uh, rivals that do an admirable job. And then because I'm using Gutenberg, I often throw in something like Generate Blocks, some way of styling it and giving me some sort of structure and layout options. And those those themes that I mentioned have their own mini page builders built in, you know, with, cook, with hooks and conditions. You can put be uh, not beaver builder you can put gutenberg uh sections and rows and templates in different parts of the theme whenever you need them so all of that would be an absolute minimum for me so i've got way more you've got like four things i've got about six or seven. Oh, oh i'm sure there's more that i actually use but i've definitely where i can use a snippet instead of a plugin i will if uh, even with the page builder if i can go to CodePen and find something that'll work. I'll put the code into a HTML module or something like that. <clears throat> I've really tried to cut down any extra plugins I do and try and keep, if you like, the code base as minimal as I can until I'm told otherwise. And I didn't used to do that. It used to be like, wow, well, let's, you know, let's install Fancy this. Fancy new thing. Stuff. I've got to use yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Interestingly, yeah, exactly. though, has yeah. that approach ever come back and bitten you? Because let's say, for example, that you're using beaver builder or for beaver builder substitute any anything that puts yeah, anything yeah. on a website have you been bitten in other words your snippet a mm. you may forget that you even did a snippet and you're searching around on a site <laughs> from two years ago thinking how on earth does that get there <laughs> or also the snippet breaks something about the snippet is no longer um valid um whereas at least if you're using something that's being updated and let's hope it is some module or plugin or what have you at least you're not having to worry about that and although that's putting your you are putting mm. faith in the developer at least you're not having to do that thing yeah i've not had an issue mm. with snippets in wordpress generally only that i did with woocommerce it used to have quite a few snippets that you use and that kept progressing so they broke but that's the only exception otherwise Anything I've put in that's controlling WordPress has stayed. Yeah. And any HTML elements that I've put in with CSS have stayed. So I haven't had that issue. So I, I'm going to stick with that until it, that fails on me. And then I'll review. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. So we've done our, we've done our little stack. So we've put that not quite yeah, at the sorry. end. No, it's okay. Do you want to do, where are we up to in our show notes? Are we at the proprietary versus open source bit? Yeah, yeah. So we, we should talk about that. Obviously, we're a, a WordPress um, podcast, so we're, we're going to be leaning towards open source. But it's, it's kind of quite interesting, do you not think? I mean, I was always a big fan of open source, um, partly because it allows me to um, add some hosting as an extra service, which really keeps me afloat. Um, but these days, in terms of where we're at with WordPress. I'm not sure if I see the difference to you between proprietary and open source. Well, the, the thing about open source is it doesn't make it better. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's better because it's open source. So, yeah. for example, you know, there are people that use Shopify and love it. And there are people that yeah. use WooCommerce and love it. And there'll be a mixture of people in between. I guess the, the argument which I always used to peddle about open source yeah. was a it was free b it's mm. being updated by possibly in wordpress's case you know hundreds of 
possibly thousands, maybe tens of thousands of people. And there was always the argument about, well, it's open source, so it's, you know, there's there's lots of eyes inspecting it. It's more secure. Well, I guess mm. history shows that possibly, certainly from the security aspect, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that. I mean, it does mean that if something breaks, many eyes can fall on it to try and yes. figure out yeah. what needs to be fixed. But it also means that if you're a hacker, you've got the capacity to go in and see what's broken and leverage that. So yes. I, I think... My gut feeling has always been that open source is a really nice philanthropic way of doing things, and I like it, and I'm drawn to it. It, it feels almost like I've got a political posture there, which maybe I mm. have, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's better. And I know, mm. I know for a fact that if somebody came to me and said, "Do you want? A, do you, would you build me an e-commerce site?" I would be because I don't want to get involved with that. I would either be saying, "Look, go and find somebody else that does, let's say, WooCommerce." Or have you have you looked at Shopify? It's very inexpensive. Mm, I'm kind of in the same situation, really. I, I was a big fan, I guess, politically. I like the kind of movement of open source. And, and in those early days, it did feel like that comment of not reinventing the wheel here was people sharing stuff which you could use. But I think now, because... You know, that was back in the days when WordPress updated like once a year with something very small. Now you have to update. So this idea of ownership of your code isn't really true. You have to go with the flow. You have to decide that you're going with that. And it comes down to an issue of trust, really, whether you trust the open source people that you're investing in or the propriety system people really now for me, it's it's kind of changed over time. Is, is the promise of... It being open source, is that still true? I mean, what I mean by that is, okay, everything's governed by the GPL. So if something attaches itself to WordPress, it has to be open source. But let's be honest, mm. your client, Miss A, she doesn't have a clue how to access <laughs> the plugin file. She wouldn't know what to make of it, even if she was looking them looking at them on a screen. It would just be a bunch of garbly, weird HTML and PHP text. And it'd be like, I don't know what to do with this. And the fact that you're paying a fee does mean yeah. in a sense it's it kind of loses a little bit of that doesn't it when when open source started it was just free and it was free and it was always free everything free 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 all the way but now we've got proprietary built on top so we're in a strange area um where some of it's free the cms and a lot of the functionality yeah. that we throw on top of it whilst it's gpl and open source it kind of isn't and you are kind of locked into it yeah, it always used to feel that if I was more of a developer, the open source was great because you could take this code that someone's done the work on and make it your own and do what you like. But actually, because it updates, you can't really. And because I'm not a developer, I can't really look after security myself. So effectively, for someone like me, I'm in the system where uh, it's equal to proprietary. There is one advantage, I guess, and that is if I say I decided to go with something like Webflow, um, yeah, you know, and and I, if I was locked in, and they decided that they were going to charge me a whole load of money that I really my business couldn't stand, I'm stuck. Where even yeah. with the premium plugins that I've got for open source, that GPL does protect me. It does mean I can say to a friend, "Can you lend me yours?" and I will install and update that way, and stay in business. So the developer doesn't get the money, but it still gives me this. If the developer hasn't been fair to me. I've still got a route to be able to deliver that. Yeah, yeah, that's a really client. good. Yeah, that's a very good point. Very, yeah, I think that makes sense. Yeah. But it does feel as if 
as if we're in like halfway house between free and proprietary, somewhere in the middle. And <laughs> yeah, every time you throw in a new commercial plugin, you are moving more to a, a sort of lock-in in some respects. And it does feel like our sites are to a great extent locked in. And that's why people do the do the whole care plan. You know, the client realizes they're locked in and, yes. you know, they know that they've got to be paying all this money because of security and updates and, and blah de blah but yeah, yeah, it's curious. I, my, like I said, my instinct is I love the open source movement. I, I have, I have strong memories when anything commercial inside open source was was a dirty word. You know, the <laughs> idea of paying for anything was just totally taboo. It was just all, all um, free, and we're definitely moving away from that model. Every, you know, you are now able to build multi-billion-dollar businesses on top of free stuff. It's a little bit scary, I think, because in some ways, everybody was very tentative about charging anything for an add-on to open source because it was open source. And then we've maybe gone a little bit the other way where there's a, a little bit of overconfidence about what you can charge for the value of that oh, yeah. against against the uh, pitfalls of the updates and the conflicts and stuff like that. So there's this, I think we're all still finding a balance. And I think certainly I am in terms of looking at these tools and how I present them to clients because I think so much has changed over recent years. Mm. I, I see WordPress entirely different to the way that I used to do. Mm. Okay, let's move on to mm. our, well, what is now our last section because we've done what our <laughs> yeah. little stacks are. This is the, yeah, the, the, the debate of our era, the debate of our time. <laughs> Third-party page builders versus Gutenberg. This debate has been had by many people all over the place. What are you going to sell to your Miss A? Which one would you be telling her to get? Well, because she's coming to me and I've got my builder that I know and I've got my argument for why I, I, it's because of the ongoing work. So I'm going to stick with my builder and explain why I think it's quite good because it's fairly stable for them. Yeah. But, um, so I'm, I'm sticking with my third party for what I'm actually doing rather yes. than embracing Gutenberg. But for me, um, you know, Gutenberg now is just another page builder option in my view. Um, is that how you see it, or? Yeah, I guess I guess you you are very confident about the the future of Beaver Builder, and quite rightly so. I I don't think the developers there have misstepped at all. You know, there's we we mm. see no reason why that's not a decent uh, flag to plant in the ground. I'm going to use Beaver Builder, and I'm going to be using it for years to come. Seems like a solid thing. I guess one of the arguments that you could make is that should something go yeah. awry there. At least yeah. if you've been using Gutenberg, you... I should say Gutenberg, shouldn't I? I know that's the correct way, but anyway, <laughs> forgive me. If you are using a Gutenberg, you at least don't have to worry about that. And we do seem to be having a groundswell of interesting new things happening there. You know, lots of blocks that are coming out. Maybe they do one thing. Maybe it's a pack of blocks and... Yeah, sure enough, maybe we're in the same territory that we were with plugins where we could have overload and a gazillion blocks mm. bloating up a website. But like you have done, you would get to the point, hopefully, where you realize the ones that you need and the ones that you don't. But at least it's going to be supported. And there's a really new and interesting trend at the moment of people building blocks which extend core blocks. 
So, for example, they might add styling options to the paragraph block, or they might add options to the image block where you can add, you know, rounded corners instead of it just being all round or all square. And and I kind of like those because they take something which is already there, which is very minimal, and they modify it a bit. And the the hope, I guess, would be that if any of those broke, you could either find a replacement or at the very worst you would just be back to the core block maybe that's naive i don't know no but i think you know i i, I guess i made the point as well earlier about the fact that though you know i don't wordpress is safe it's going to be around a long time gutenberg is now in core it's going to be around a long time it's probably the safest option in those terms however i i think what stops me now partly because i've already learned one system and it seems you know, yeah. there's no actual reason to move at the moment other than a fear that they might not be around. And I don't particularly have that fear, so I'm sticking with it. But, you know, it's now, it's a very difficult thing to do. And uh, I think, you know, as well, if the kind of add-ons, if you like, for Gutenberg, the ones that have come out earlier on, generate blocks and cadence and those kind of things as well, effectively because they've gone their own route with things like full-site editing, that they've almost become like page builders. They are independent of the main core yep. of Gutenberg. So it's, you know, I don't think it matters. I mean, what I'm trying to move to is the fact that we're going to make a decision. I'm going to say why I think I work with this one. And that's largely, I'm going to say to clients these days is because I'm used to it and I can yeah. make changes quicker. Yep. Um, but it's a tool. It's a tool in what we do. And, and it doesn't, doesn't really matter. We, you know, it's always, always going to be a gamble. There's always likely to be some kind of change. Well, you, you've kind of circled right back perfectly to the very beginning of the podcast where we talked about why WordPress and, and you've just reiterated, mm -hmm. well, because I can do this with this <laughs> tool. It's easy for me. You'll understand it. We'll get things done more quickly. Um, and that to me seems like a totally compelling argument. If you know, if you're going to say to a client, well, I'd like to try out this new tool, it will mean that I'm going to be spending probably three times longer than I would ordinarily. But you know what? It'll be a nice new adventure for me. Isn't that nice? They're not going to say yes to that. What they want is a site and they want it building quickly and they want you to be confident in the tools that you've got. So the bottom line for this episode, I think, is whatever works for you. It's a bit sitting on the fence, <laughs> that, isn't it? But it's true. Yeah. If you've got a stack that works, stick with it. Make it minimal. Don't overbloat it. And stick with the things which you can work with. If that's Gutenberg, yay. If it's a page builder, yay, whatever. <laughs> if you want to hard yeah. code it all and do the CMS yourself, yay. So long as you can persuade the client that they're getting value for money, you've achieved your objective. Yeah. It's all, I mean, it's trying to match it as well. Of course, you know, to we always come back as well to skills as well. You kind of, whichever sort of page builder you buy, it's, I, I like the idea of keeping it simple. So, as I quite like now to get back to doing some CSS so I feel more independent of that, then I don't need so many gadgets in it, but you might do because your changes stuff or your types of websites require more. So I think those are all judgments to make with it. There's, there's often a tendency, isn't there, to, to think there might be some best builder with the best future, and I don't necessarily see it that way. There's only going to be best for your circumstances. So yeah. You always have to get back to what you're trying to achieve yeah, for and it, the client. It always feels like the the environment in, you know, in certain wings of the media is constantly trying to tell you, here's the next best thing. 
Well, the next best yeah. thing's only the next best thing, A, if it really truly is, and B, if you've <laughs> got the time to make it something that you are understanding instinctively. If you've got muscle memory of how to build a website mm. with Beaver Builder and then you go to Elementor, be prepared to spend several days, possibly weeks, figuring that stuff out until it's muscle memory. And if that's time well spent, great. But if it's not, then carry on mm. as normal. I think you're right. It is a bit of snake oil, isn't it? There's the perfect tool always around the corner. <laughs> yeah. Yes, indeed. Shall we hey, knock it on I, the head there? Yeah. I was just going to say the same thing. So oh, okay. next time we're going to add in the thing that you discussed, our tech stack, really. What, how we go. We're talking more generally, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, it's more going to be like the stuff that's sitting on your desk, the things which yeah. you actually have bought and using on a day-to-day -day basis. So it might be the computer, the operating system, the... I don't know, the screen that you bought or the whatever it might be. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, all right. So I'll see you in a, in a couple of weeks. Yeah, lovely. Bye. Well, I hope that you enjoyed that episode. It's always a pleasure to chat with David Wormsley about these things. If you think we missed anything out, if you think we missed the target, or you've just got any commentary, please head over to wpbuilds.com, search for episode number 281, and leave us a comment there, or you can always go to our Facebook group, wpbuilds.com forward slash Facebook, and leave a comment there. The WP Builds podcast was brought to you today by GoDaddy Pro. GoDaddy Pro, the home of managed WordPress hosting that includes free domain, SSL and 24-7 support. Bundle that with the hub by GoDaddy Pro to unlock more free benefits to manage multiple sites in one place. Invoice clients and get 30% off new purchases. You can find out more by going to go.me forward slash WPBuilds. That's go.me forward slash WPBuilds. And we do thank GoDaddy Pro for helping us to keep the WP Builds podcast going. Okay, we will be back next week. We'll have an interview at that point. But remember, if you're at WordCamp Europe and you fancy hooking up, maybe mention me on Twitter at WP Builds and we'll see what we can arrange. We've also got our This Week in WordPress show. Don't forget that comes around every Monday, 2pm UK time. So we'll be back in time for that as well. Okay, the only thing that remains for me to do is to fade in some cheesy music, which I'm about to do, and say, stay safe, have a good week, bye-bye for now. <laughs>